Cougs house. All right, we got an exciting basketball game against Tulane tonight. Did I read that right? Tulane's good. We're going to have an exciting game tonight. Let's break it all down. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or to hate against that by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That we can get your news, us in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Uh, welcome to the YouTube channel. Good to see you again. Uh, looks like we're up over 425 subscribers. That number is climbing up quickly. Remember, at 25. Sparkle and I will be giving away a nice little gift package to people uh, that are commenting on videos. So make sure we're entered on that. We, a, we make sure we get to 500 subscribers. So hit subscribe if you haven't already. And then be commenting in the videos. Join the conversation. If after hearing all about the Tulane basketball game tonight, uh, you are not like up for the chat, up for that, or anything else to say, uh, tell us whether or not you put salsa on the outside of your burrito. All right, so tonight is a big two-lane matchup. Um, I don't get to say that about basketball very often. So we're going to kind of break down in our first segment how their season has gone, give a little scouting report on the, uh, I would say, the the greenway, on the two-lane greenway. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to look at some matchups and kind of see where I think Houston can exploit some things. And then that third segment, we'll get like, a little bit of a preview of the game, a little bit of what could come afterwards. So first, let's jump into what Tulane looks like so far. Um, going into tonight's game, Tulane is 12-5 and five in their fourth season under Ron Hunter. Um, my So I, uh, Ron Hunter, that's a name sounds familiar. Um, and it's not just because he's been at Tulane for a handful of seasons. He was the IUPOI coach from the famous like March Madness moment that you see on all the montages where after they win their conference tournament in 2003 um he goes out and like kisses the midcourt line <laughs> and like in celebration um that team actually wasn't as strong as a later team of his at IAPY that would have George Hill not to go down a, a a tangent on Ron Hunter but he's had some pretty good program at small places so it, it makes sense that in year four he's built two lineup again 12 and 5 5 and 1 in the A a C um, on the season as a whole, their only AAC loss has been Cincinnati. Obviously, Cincinnati is one of the top end teams in the American. We saw Houston had a fairly tough contest for most of the night with them. I guess it was a daytime game with them. Um, but Tulane has beaten Memphis. Uh, they beat Tulsa. They won at Temple at SMU, and they beat Central Florida in their building over the weekend. And I think I say all that to say that like that's a fairly impressive slate for a team like Tulane, that didn't have a single Power 5 non-conference game. Um, as far as like looking at their non-conference games goes, they did have a couple of uh, common opponents. McNeese State, uh, Tulane won by 17. He's won by a little more than that. You know, whatever. Um, I thought it was interesting. They lost to Nevada, Western Kentucky, Fordham, and George Mason. So no Power 5 teams in that non-conference schedule for Tulane. But I'd imagine like between George Mason and Western Kentucky – you, you might get another tournament team or two out of them in, in those kind of like smaller uh, conferences. Um, I thought it was interesting watching them play. I'll talk more about the X and O's in a second. But statistically speaking, too, they're an extremely low turnover team. Uh, they're 11th lowest turnovers 
on the season in the entire NCAA Division One college basketball. And so they they take good care of the basketball. Ron Hunter is doing a really really good job with them. Um, news and notes on it. They also have a sold. I mean, been advertising it since Sunday. The stadium is sold out. Uh, they're welcoming the number one team in the country into their gym there in uh, I guess Greater New Orleans area, and they're excited about it. I'd imagine you'll see some special uniform. They leaked a Mardi Gras uniform. I don't know if they'll wear that on this Tuesday because it's not quite that. I don't know. They leaked a Mardi Gras uniform suit they wear on Tuesday. Um, I imagine it's something special and hyped and that kind of all the crowd going crazy and kind of things. Um, they're led by two key guards. It's a very guard-centric offense. Stop me if you've heard that before on the Houston Cougar show. <laughs> um, but their guards are both an all uh, last year all-conference performer, Jalen Cook, and last week's American Athletic Conference Player of the Week, Jalen Forbes. Um, those guys both get 18 and 19 points per game, respectively. For a team that plays at a relatively slow pace, I would comment that that's pretty impressive, right? Um, they don't turn the ball over. They have long possessions, and they get good shots. And that's you know how that's their mo. That's how they've gotten to twelve and five on the season. They've had kind of the surprise run in the American. Um, I think people weren't you know necessarily picking them to win a whole lot of games. They got a fairly difficult schedule. They got a uh, home and home with Houston, home and home with Memphis, home and home with Cincinnati. And people are like, oh man, like that that's a tough schedule. And in fact, in like Central Florida's got a pro and and all these kinds of things. Um, you know, needless to say that they've handled that very, very well. And I'm wondering, you know, obviously, I think Houston wins a game. We'll get more into that later. I'm wondering if they have a good showing, if they kind of spark up as like, oh, could they be the second best team in the American kind of spot? I, I don't know if it's going to be Cincinnati or Central Florida or Memphis or, or Tulane, but I do think that they're all kind of vying that same atmosphere. Whereas admittedly, a month ago when we were talking about like, what did I think would be difficult conference games? I didn't have Tulane on there. Not that I didn't remember that they had uh, Jalen Cook, again, an all-American Athletic Conference guy from a year ago. I was like, if he's on his own, like we got Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser. We're okay, right? Um, Jalen Forbes is a junior, so I don't guess he came out of nowhere, but it is a little bit different to see him shoot the ball so well this year. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll get into the matchups in a second, but I, I think that their season has been somewhat of a surprise in conference play, and frankly, it kind of means Houston's in this, like, you know, no one situation. They're going to either beat Tulane and it's like, okay, you beat Tulane, cool guys, or they don't. And it's like, oh my God, how'd you lose to Tulane? Right. That's a no win situation for Houston as they enter this. And um, that's not, that's not great to have at the top of your scouting report. As I look at up and down at their team, I think what's interesting is they're built similarly to Houston. It might be slightly bigger at one guard spot, but slightly smaller at one forward spot. And um, that to me is, you know, an important thing for Houston because we saw them have trouble with South Florida trying to collapse on the big villa, right? And that left to a lot of open threes. Um, we had saw them have trouble with the length of Alabama's second unit, honestly, in the Alabama game. Um, it, they went, they ended up shooting them out of the zone, but Napoleon Dante and Oregon did it too, honestly. There's There's been moments where size has, has, has given Houston issues. They don't have that. Um, I will say that they're going to have an exciting home crowd and that they, quite bluntly, um, aren't just aren't as bad as I think people are anticipating. If I look at their like Ken Palm stuff, um, they're you know kind of top third of college basketball as far as like the entirety of Division One goes. Um, and I think that's the kind of team where like if you're not playing well and they are and they're at home, they might beat you. Um, they run fairly simple sets. They run a lot of kind of like we saw in Tulsa, a lot of dribble handoffs around the edge. So eventually they get someone. 
uh, rolling to the to the basket in Tulsa. That was Silabungay in uh, in this game against Tulane. I imagine that's going to probably be Kevin Cross. Although I did see some at a Cian James. Cian James, yeah, Cian James. Um, so we'll see kind of how they go out of that. Uh, several of the games that they've won, they kind of had upsets in. They shot well above their heads in three, from three point land, and that's kind of been the last handful of games. So if they're shooting that well again. Houston could have some problems. We saw them have problems with South Florida just last week, right? Um, and so I'm going to tell you how Houston's built to win this game and where their matchups are in a moment in the next segment, kind of go through position by position how they match up. But first, let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. Now, Built Bar is one of my favorite reads because well before Locked on Cougs was a show and well before Locked on Cougs was a member of the Locked on Podcast Network, it was the thing I used the most out of all the things that helped bring our show to you. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to have a Built Bar. Uh, just go through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier. I promise. I know you see the chicken wings and stuff like that on my on my Instagram stories. I promise I'm trying to get you healthier. Um, but you don't want to compromise taste. You got to try Built Bar. Built Bar is a healthy and actually tasty alternative. It's uh, so good because it's covered in 100% real chocolate. They have unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but the bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Uh, they're healthy at just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't want to wait around to get a box. No worries. I've been telling you for a long time to go to built.com, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Yep, that's right. You can go to Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or cocoa puffs. If you're in Sam's Club, you can go get a 13-bar box of some of their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. Uh, you can thank me later for those. My favorite bar, though, is that chocolate almond. I'm a big Almond Joy guy. That was kind of my candy as a kid. Who am I kidding? That's my candy now. And the coconut almonds taste a lot like an Almond Joy, and that's going to be my recommendation to you. And my recommendation is to go get a Built Bar at Walmart, Sam's Club, or at Built.com today. All right, so... As we look at all of this, um, the matchups thing are really, really key here because I mentioned in the first segment that they're set up fairly similarly to how Houston is set up. Um, they've got a couple of really great guards, and those guys kind of have the ability to take off and give you a, a game, right? The same way you saw Sasser give Houston the South Florida game. Jamal Cook and Jalen Forbes can do that. They have the capability to do that, and if Houston's not careful they could have that done to them. So Jalen Cook is a sophomore guard, six foot, 205 pounds. Last year's uh, was he was all conference. He's also his COVID freshman year. So it doesn't really count. Uh, he was on the LSU Tigers. So he was a power five caliber guy coming out of high school. He has 18.3 points per game on a 48% effective field goal percentage that factors in a little bit bonus for threes. He's also getting 4.7 assists per game as a true point guard. Um, I, I imagine this draws the Jamal Shedd matchup. Memphis did a really good job of making him turn it over. As little as they've turned it over this season, Memphis was able to speed him up. I'm anticipating Jamal Shedd doing the same. Um, that said, Jalen Cook is a really, really good finisher on the break. So when he breaks away from Jamal Shedd, we're going to need to have long arms and bodies at the rim to kind of help deter him and defer him because he is crafty once he gets in the air on the break. He doesn't do that kind of stuff necessarily in the half court as much. Um, as far as the ups and unders and dipsy doos, but he does get out on the break and move it. There are two guard, Jalen Forbes, uh, 6'5", 185. He was last week's a conference player of the week, 19.2 points per game, shooting the ball 39% from three, um, shooting 
1.7% from the free throw lines who don't want to foul him. Um, he was the only top 100 recruit on their roster as far as recruit rankings go, if you buy into all that. He's a crazy catch-and-shoot threat. I mentioned the 39% from three, but he also says it's from the mid-range. Um, he's springing. If you over if you overcommit on the closeout, he gets up and finishes through contact well. And then he added in the free throw percentage. He's a really, really tough score and their leading score. I know that that typically means at the guard spot that the Demarcus Sasser matchup with his length and him being six five. I actually think it's the Tremont Mark matchup. Um, he might get some more of Ramon Walker. We should mention Ramon Walker had, did travel with the team. It looks like by all in, uh, things on the accounts, and so I think that that's a good sign. Um, but I think he he well at least in the starting line of draw the Tremont Mark matchup because he's just so long and. Um, Frankly, that kind of lets Sasser roam a little bit. That doesn't mean that there won't be possessions and key moments and stretches of the game if it comes down to those key moments and stretches that Marcus Sasser couldn't mark him. We saw in the South Florida game that at the end of the game, Kelvin Sampson, Kelvin Sampson just said, I want to put Marcus Sasser on their best player, right? And that's how we went about it. Um, so that could happen with either of these guards for Marcus. But I imagine the start of the game is he Tremont Mark just to make sure we have someone in his face that's the length to get up in his face and came up with him and those kinds of things. He's a rangy, rangy guy. The guy I see Marcus Sasser matching up with is RJ McGee. Now, that's a 6'5", 205-pound, more like, thick-bodied type, um, but he's just averaging 4.1 uh, points per game, and he's just getting 16.4 minutes per game. Um, he's kind of rotating in at, the, at that fifth starter spot for them, and so I imagine it's a little bit more, you know, A, it allows Marcus to take more control of the offense, a little bit, le- little bit lesser defensive role, but B, um, the guys that rotate through that spot will be a handful of guards and wings, and that'll kind of be guys that Marcus can uh, can guard as well. Um, I know he's 6'5", 205, and someone's like, Parker, that's probably too big for me. But I think he can handle it. Sasser's got a big, broad chest. Um, and again, I like uh, Jamon Mark's length on Forbes at the other spot. Everyone wants to know who Jarrett Walker's guarding. Jarrett Walker was obviously not healthy last week. Uh, it's good to see him back. He had 103 temperature about this time a week ago, and so it's good to see him back on the floor all uh, understanding from Samson talking before during the week and him getting on the plane, that kind of stuff is that Walker is hundred percent healthy and ready to play. Sounds like he got over whatever bug had gotten him. I imagine he's covering Sion James. Sion's uh, a six, five 185 pound listed as a forward. And he, as far as the two forwards go, he's much more of like a grimy mud blood kind of guy. As far as what Samson would say, he's got 10.9 points per game on 50% shooting. He does shoot the ball from three point land at 36% but he's only shooting about a shot and a half a game from out that far away. So small sample size there. Um, he's getting 10.9 points per game on just uh, seven field goal attempts because it's a lot of putbacks. And I think I trust Jarris to make sure he stays down around the rim doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I think also like keeping Jarris down on the rim will help him defend the rim in a way um, that is, you know, beneficial to everyone on the floor. Plus, this is the 6'5 forward of the two forwards, and Jarris can kind of keep up with smaller guys in a way that most forwards in college basketball, let alone the city of Houston, can't, right? Uh, Jawan Roberts is left then for Kevin Cross. Kevin Cross is a 6'8 junior, 240 pounds, big, strong guy, big, strong guy. I don't have a wingspan listed, but it's definitely in the positive range. He's long arms. 14.6 points per game, 51% shooting, just shooting 10.5 shots. Again, it's a lot of close-range shots. Um, from Kevin Cross, he you know, same kind of thing as Sion James, where he'll shoot at a relatively decent percentage from three, but he's not getting a lot of attempts, so I wouldn't put a lot of weight in that. I think it's interesting about Kevin Cross and their offense is he's got 
got the second most assists per game on the team at four. Um, at the dunker spot, he can catch and power dribble, gets the rim. At the nail, he can do the same thing. But from both spots, he's a great job of seeing the whole floor and getting a quick rotation. Um, I thought in watching uh, two games and some highlights from others on him, what was fascinating to me about Kevin Cross was I thought he had better ball dribble moves and those kinds of things when he caught the ball at at 25 feet than when he was like catching it more like at six or seven feet. Like from six and seven feet, it's like a two dribbles and score, one dribble, pass, no dribble, pass. Not a lot of mid-range jump shots, but like very quick, decisive things. From 25 feet, he actually had a little bit more fluidity to his game. He wasn't pulling up from three, but like a little more fluidity in the rim. Um, I think Juwan Roberts covers him though um, because frankly, he's got that like extra weight to him. And that kind of leads to like more of a mucky, muddy kind of game. And the way that we've heard Samson comment, Jairus does have struggles with Jairus is a true teenager. Again, 19 years old. Um, I don't think that's anything to worry about long term. I just think if I'm picking one of our starters, I'm going to go with Roberts there. Um, in running this offense, I'll get to the subs in a second. Um, what's interesting to me is the reason I think Cross leads them in assist so much is because they're in the same five out weave that we saw Tulsa do. So go back and watch that tape. You know what I'm talking about. But eventually someone pops on a roll after they've wait, you know, it's like screen, 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 slip. And it's like, boom, right? Slips the run. Um, he's done a great job of hitting the slip where the big man in Tulsa, Silbenge, he was the guy doing the slip to catch dunks. Kevin Cross is doing a great job of like two dribbles across the top and then boom, hits the backdoor cut. Two dribbles across the top, squares up and reverse the ball back for an open three, right? Like he's doing a great job of those kinds of things. And when he slips, he is very clearly and demonstratively either he's going to the basket is going to the short roll to create for others. So it's not like any hesitancy on which one he's doing. And so Jawan Roberts being a smart veteran player, I think covers that up fairly well. It's an interesting offense. That I think relies a lot on what Kevin Cross brings. And then obviously it spreads out the floor for both Forbes and cook. They're two all everything kind of guards to get to the basket when they want to. Um, they're dangerous. Those backcourt guys, if you're looking at who they bring in off the bench, Colin Holloway is a six, six junior uh, getting about 19 uh, minutes per game. He started seven games this season as well. Um, 8.7 points. Um, kind of a, I think um, he and Tylen Pope are the two subs I got down. And they're both of the same note and bullet point. Jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, they, they do several things well, but nothing so crazy well that they like come off the scat, the scan report as a whole, which is probably why they're not starters. I do think one thing that could concern Houston and one thing I would like to keep an eye on is both of their key subs to me are these 6'6", 220 pound guys. Um, that means you should see a big day out of the subs for us out of Javier Francis. You can see a big day out of Reggie Cheney, right? I imagine Emmanuel Sharp comes in because he's a little more thick bodied as opposed to Terrence Arsenault. I wonder if Ramon Walker gets in this game, both because he made the trip and he's supposed to be healthy and he was going through a lot and I hope that hope he's through it. Um, but I, I think that this is the kind of game where his tenacity and intensity could play a factor if he's ready to roll, right? Um, because those are spots where like Houston's not necessarily shorter, but those guys are big, right? And that that could give Houston some problems. On the whole, the way those guys play defense, um, the ball seems to get inside of the like 15-foot area pretty, pretty easily against them. Uh, drop-offs to like Big fellas were big in the Memphis game. Uh, Memphis was able to do that pretty, pretty efficiently throughout the entire game. And that makes me think this is kind of a, J1 Robert, a Jawan Roberts kind of game, right? Like the kind of game where he could really, really take off and get his 
24-point kind of night. He hadn't had one of those yet this year. And also, uh, we saw in South Florida, he got in foul trouble early, and he's hadn't played a game in like a week, right? Um, and so we'll see how that goes. But that's how I imagine they do that. If Tulane is something crazy and they collapse and take that away because, like, we got to take something away, I'd imagine you see kickouts for threes. That's where you could see Sasser kickouts. That's where you could see Walker kickouts. That's where, those come on mark. Um, I also wonder if, because Memphis would get to the mid lane, mid range and drop it off, could you see them say, we're taking away the drop off? In which, if you remind, not to keep going back to the Tulsa game, but in that game, Houston was able to get to that mid-range spot and just pull up. You saw Tremont Mark and Marcus Ash and Jamal Shedd make a bunch of mid-range pull-ups off the dribble because the bigs for Tulsa wouldn't come off off the block to help. Well, honestly, analytically, that's a great defense. You're keeping them to a contested mid-range jump shot. Houston just made them. If I'm Tulane, I'm like, what are the odds they make them twice? <laughs> right? Like, 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 what are the odds they make them twice? Plus, this is on the road in a hostile gym. Right? Like, like, those are, I guess, what I would be bouncing off if I were them. Um, Cincinnati had a lot of success getting to those elbows in the nail, and Cincinnati is the only team in the conference that beaten them so far. So maybe worth pointing out that that's kind of a, a, a game plan on how to do it. Um, what Houston's, Houston's defense is going to have to do is react to the kickout threes for catch and shoot because once guys penetrate off this weave thing, that's really been how they've beaten teams in the last couple weeks. Um and we've seen, frankly, Kelvin Sims gets really, really frustrated on fouling jump shooters overreacting the catch and shoot. So it'll be interesting how those closeouts work and how Houston's youth reacts to a constant driving kick offense out of that weave initiation. Um, we'll see. Mm, we'll see. I, I will say if they're shooting the ball really, really well, Houston's got to kind of respond with their own offense. I think they can. And we'll get into my predictions, predictions in the next segment. That could be a problem uh, if they shoot the ball as well as they have the last couple games from three. On the season, they're shooting very middle of the pack, Division One from three. The last two or three weeks, they've shot very, very well. And so you've got to make sure we act and cover up those driving kick threes, or catch and shoot threes without fouling. And Houston's shown an issue with that, especially with some of the young guys the last couple weeks. So in my last segment here, um, what I want to talk about is my prediction and then what comes out of that? My prediction here is that Juwan Roberts has a good game. Tremont Mark has a big game. And those guys each getting between the 16 to 24 range with Sasser getting his 10, 12, 14, with Jamal Shade getting his 10, 12, 14. Um, Jarris Walker coming back from health stuff. I don't necessarily want to pick yet. Um, but as I will say athletically, he'll be the best athlete in the gym by a long shot. So turns in that kind of track meet, maybe I'm wrong. And it's his kind of show. We've seen it happen in conference games before. Um, I think Houston wins by like 17 or 18 points. I'm predicting a high scoring game because as I look at their games, they've had a lot of high scoring games, but I'm thinking Houston wins like 84 to 67, right? Um, that's again, Houston giving up more points than they have traditionally thus far. And that's a lot of points for the kind of slow pace that Tulane and Houston both kind of want to play. Um, but when Tulane played played uh, Southern Methodist, SMU, it was 97 to 88. When they played Memphis, it was 96 to 89. When they played Tulsa, it was 93 to 77. When they played Temple, it was 87 to 77. Like, they, while they play at a, such a slow pace, because they're not turning the ball over, score a lot of points. Um, I wonder if that's kind of just what's going to happen. This is going to be a lot of points scored. I do think Houston turns them over more, and I think that's why Houston ends up winning by double digits. But the reality of that is that that's kind of, you know, 
on par for the course for the Houston Cougars, right? Um, as far as what comes out of this win, um, Houston has to go and play another road game this weekend playing against Temple, if my schedule serves me correctly. Let me double check to be sure. But yes, they go, uh, oh no, they host Temple, I'm sorry, next weekend, um, three o'clock for Tita Center, go do it. But, and looking at the what the game's impact could be as a whole, I think we're approaching the part of the season that could be hard to swallow for Houston Cougar fans, where Houston could go 2-0 and with fairly decisive victories this week, both against Tulane and Temple and actually fall from the number one seed. So on Monday, Houston was ranked number one overall, again, by the AP poll, and they're number one on the net, you know, the net stats, the Ken Palms, all the things, all the, all the different ones, right? Um, AP poll ranks number one. That feels important. But Kansas is number two, and they play number 14, Kansas State, and number 21, Baylor, this week. Right? Um, number three, Purdue, just beat Michigan State. They play Minnesota later this week. UCLA plays Arizona, and number 11, Arizona State. Or, sorry, number... They play at Arizona State and at number 11, Arizona, both this week, both on the road. Um, Alabama plays Vanderbilt, who feels like a pushover, but also just beat Tennessee and Missouri this week. Um, the Zags have a similar schedule as far as Houston goes. What I'm getting at here, though, is that like there's a chance that Houston could lose points in the AP poll because Kansas has more impressive wins. Now, you only get to play who you lined up against, right? I'm not saying that Houston can do anything about that. But I am saying it's interesting that we're kind of getting that point in the year where outsiders are expecting Houston going to feed in the American Conference, and I'd like to see it happen. I'm not going to cheer against it, but I'm just not betting on it happening. I think there's some really good basketball teams in this conference, and it's really hard to win all of your conference games. Um, meanwhile, if Houston does win both games this week, it's going to be hard to compare Tulane and Temple to Kansas State and Baylor, right? Like, does Houston make their appropriate adjustments and win the games like they should? Yes, I think they do in both games. You know, spoiler alert, I think they win both games. Um, but the average person's going to see a 14 next to Kansas State and a 21 next to Baylor and see like, oh, those are ranked teams. Those are more impressive victories, right? And they probably are, right? Baylor has a guy that's going to be a top five pick and Kansas State's doing great and Big 12's tough. We'll see you next year and win the whole thing then. But the other part of this is that that doesn't happen this week. Next week, is the SEC Big 12 challenge. So if Houston were to somehow still hold on the number one seed next week, they kind of face the same exact dilemma where Houston plays Central Florida on a win- at Central Florida on a Wednesday and Cincinnati on a Saturday. And that's as tough a two-game stretch as you can get in the American Conference, really. Right? Tulane and Memphis are both very good, but Cincinnati is strong. We saw that on the road earlier this season. And Central Florida has, again, a lottery pick, a pro, right? Um but while Houston's doing the tough, tough stretch of their season, those two teams, you'll have Bama playing Oklahoma. You'll have Arkansas playing Baylor. Uh, in the KU-KU matchup, you got Kentucky versus Kansas, blue blood on blue blood. You've got Texas versus Tennessee, the UT-UT matchup, right? Like Those kinds of top 10, 15, 25 matchups are going to weigh so much heavier in AP, vo- AP voters' minds that Houston could go undefeated all the way through this thing, and that will sit heavier in some people's heads for whatever reason, um, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm saying as a fan, you and I need to protect ourselves or like, like get ready for like, okay, we're going to go undefeated and get pissed when they put us not number one overall for no freaking reason. Um, that said, Samson said it. I'm saying it. The goal is not to be number one right now, although it's nice. The goal is to be number one come April, right? When they're holding up trophies in Energy Stadium, the goal is to be number one right then. Now, with that said... Uh, we'll be following it all the way between now and then. 
and hopefully talking about me number one a handful of times too <laughs> here on Locked on Cougs. Make sure you subscribe down below. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, all, Be Real, TikTok, all the social media handles at Painsworth5, just P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and everything. I'll be talking all things Houston Cougars, football, basketball. Uh, we can talk Rockets, being glory, you know, top of the Astros. Who are the Texans going to draft? It sounds like CJ Stroud is going to be available. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, all those kinds of things at Painsworth 512. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend my good buddy, Andy Patton. He's got a buddy. He's got Isaac on every single day on Locked On College Basketball, a national college basketball show. Very kook friendly, too. They're a fan of the kooks as well. So make sure you go check them out at Locked On College Basketball for your second listen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Locked On Cougs, a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's your team, in our case, the number one team in the country. Every day, go Cougs.